Get ready. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Weekly Cooldown. I am Kami Jace, your host. And I'm Paul Henderson, your semi-regular guestish co-host. And if you're joining us for the first time, this is the show where we get to know the gaming news of the week, and we get to know our guest. It is episode 173 of the Weekly Cooldown. It is November 4th. Happy November! Yay, we made it! <laughs> it's nearly the end of the year. I it's Christmas! Yeah, it's basically Christmas. We did it, it's Christmas. Congratulations, everybody. <laughs> already for... Oh my gosh. Um, the holiday season for video games. Oh yeah. The award season for video games. Paul's going to get drunk on the podcast in a month. <laughs> the first couple of months where you get all your cool new releases and then the waiting period until such time that it happens again. Because that is the cycle. Um, we've got headlines for you and then we're going to get to know a really cool guest. Yeah. I hope you're excited. So, without further ado, let's get started. This week, there were lots and lots of game, game teasers and game release information hitting news feeds. The first and most cryptic being Hideo Kojima's tweet showing pictures of Ellen Fanning and Shioli Kutsuna for his next unnamed title. With that being the only information we know, fans speculate that Kojima may be teasing Death Stranding's sequel, or that this may be the first look at a rumored horror project called Overdose. Stepping away from Kojima, we also got news about a new and likely final Deus Ex project coming out of Eidos Montreal, Square Enix Montreal, if you're nasty. Uh, while there are no release dates, we did get insight into the game being in very early development. Additionally, EA seems to be planning the release of a, quote, major game before April of next year, but will not go into details about what that game could be. Spry Fox, the Seattle-based studio who created Cozy Grove, Alpha Bear, and Alpha Bear 2, announced on Halloween that they are now a Netflix studio. Spry Fox's focus seems to be mostly on mobile games for iOS and Android. This makes Spry Fox the sixth studio to develop for Netflix. Netflix began producing games in 2021. The folks over at Spry Fox say that the new acquisition deal will allow them to continue making games with more support and resources and without stressing about profit. Discord has posted a quarterly staff report that shows a staggering 55 million accounts were disabled and 68,000 servers were removed since January and leading up into June. Discord has unfortunately been used in recent years to spread harmful content and allow extremist groups to gather, meaning that Discord has had to take more steps to ensure safety on the platform. Still, according to the report, and perhaps thankfully, the accounts banned were mostly for spam or spam-related offenses. While the numbers seem to be low, Discord did report on finding and removing accounts dealing with misinformation, violent extremism, and illegal or dangerous activities. And finally, for the Dota 2 fan in your life, Dota 2 has announced a new hero by the name of Muerta. 
A gunslinging creature with a kind of Mexican Day of the Dead theme featured as her main motif, with lots of skull imagery, flowers, and neon colors. Fans, especially Spanish-speaking ones, seem excited about Muerta's arrival and is, are requesting a Spanish-language voice pack. And speaking of voices, there will now be a Cave Johnson announcer pack added to Dota 2 as well. If you're a Steam-slash-Valve fan, you'll know that Cave Johnson is a character from Portal 2, and a pretty fun six-minute video with Gabe Newell cameo, towards the end, Gabe Newell calls in a favor of Cave Johnson and basically announces the Cave Johnson Mega Kills pack. Cave Johnson is played by actor J.K. Simmons. And those are just some of the headlines this week. Um, <laughs> I think the last one is the best one. <laughs> if you're uh, if you're looking for some other headlines, you've got more you want to talk about with us. Um, some important other information that I may have missed in my recap. Of course, this was a big. This was a big week for Dota 2 in general. If you oh, well. followed my advice from last the end of last week's episode, the International wrapped up this week. Mm-hmm. It was a very good time if you saw it. The um, last series was kind of a slide, but <laughs> it was still a pretty fun uh, series, I think. Tundra... F- Ooh, excuse me. Of course, Tundra took the event. It was... Um, it was a good tournament overall, I think. A lot of fun. Just <laughs> The only problem I have with the International is it's a lot of Dota in a very short period of time. It's very compressed. I have to try to get back into watching competitive esports. Yeah. Uh, do you have any uh, esports you usually like to watch? I was incredibly into Overwatch League when it came out. Overwatch League Grand Finals are happening like tomorrow, I think. I'll give it another try. That was a good time for it. I will give it another try. I was so I was really really into it. Um, in fact, a friend of mine wanted me to help write um, for like an Overwatch League um, publication on. Oh, nice! And, but then I like I fell I fell apart after a while. I was like, never mind, I can't do this. <laughs> yep, uh, grand finals happen tomorrow, and playoffs are actually happening at this exact moment. Uh, this podcast is going out November fourth, which means the day of the grand finals. But as of right now, today it's November third, and. Currently, the Losers Round 4 matches are happening, and they will be doing Losers Round 5 right afterwards. Ooh. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. You want to talk about esports? Tweet at us at ComedyJaceGamingWKCooldown or Paul's Rockin' Thing. Yeah, Paul's Rockin' Thing. At Paul's Rockin' Twin on Twitter. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Let's get to our guest. Sure. Our guest is... Let's see how they describe themselves on Twitter. Hang on. (laughs) You want me to just do an introduction? That's all? very <laughs> That also works. That also works. Yeah. Okay. So, hi. My name is Jeff. Or she. Use they, them pronouns. Um, I am a game developer. You might know some of the games I've worked on. Uh, one of which is Unbeatable. It's a rhythm adventure game. Yeah. It's basically like my full-time job. Um, I also do a lot of other games on the side and have been a part of other projects, some of which that haven't been announced yet. Um... For other games that you could play that have released, you could play like, the white label Devil for Unbeatable, uh, A Nightmare's Trip, Space Snack Pilot are games that I personally directed um, and are available on Steam. Uh, I also did writing for Noise Starlight and the uh, writing for the prequel VNs for that mobile game as well. Um, yeah. A pro- prolific developer. I, I, I do a lot, but <laughs> I, I kind of want to do a little bit less right now. I can I can understand that. But that's amazing. You have so many so, so many titles un, under your belt, so to speak. That's Hell yeah. fantastic. Um, uh, the first one I want to talk about yeah. right off the bat is um, obviously the one people probably have heard the most about, um, Unbeatable, which is uh, 
blew the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> say that tell folks more about Unbeatable. Um, yeah, to say working on this game has been life changing and has been uh, an understatement. Uh, I've been working on this game for almost five years at this point, by the way, since like wow mid high school, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting to like get to the point where this game effectively became my full time job is kind of amazing. Um, yeah, but yeah, I honestly can't really say too much on the game right now. We're we're like knee deep into working on the game. Um, we've been putting out little patches here and there, just doing all sorts of stuff when possible. Um, but yeah, right now we're we're just working on the game, and you know sure. that's that's definitely its own thing, right? Its own can of worms. But like just being able to sit down, and just focus on this game, and work on it, and not have to worry about like any extrinsic like public pressure has been really nice lately. So, oh hell yeah, yeah. Uh, for the uninitiated, yeah. what is Unbeatable? Tell yes. me about it. I so know Unbeatable is a rhythm adventure game where yes. we, we like to pitch it in two ways. Um, the one everyone knows it as is it's a game where music is legal and you do crimes. Um, and uh, the, the main conceit of it is that you basically uh, are thrown into running an indie band. And you're doing it in a world where, like, for whatever reason, music is outlawed. Um, so... Now to figure that one out, uh, that is the most I can say on what the story's like. But yeah, the game's game's huge emphasis is on the cinematic story mode that we're building out for it. Uh, on top of a solid arcade mode uh, with an original soundtrack by good friends at Peak Divide, um, yeah. who are doing a banging rock uh, rock soundtrack for that game. Um, yeah, amazing. I, yeah. I have to say that, like, right now, I'm really proud of the team and the work we've been doing on this game. And, like, I know it's not work that we've been able to show lately, but, like, this, just, like, every every day, like, everyone's doing their, like, absolute damnedest right now. And, you know, that, that, that kind of work always feels invisible in a vacuum. Oh, yeah. Especially when it's not public-facing. Like, oh, you don't talk about the game publicly. Like, you're working on it. But it's like, yeah, no, this this team has been doing... This team's been, been get, get, getting through it the best they can. And it's it's been... It's a really tough game to make, too. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm I'm really I'm really I'm really happy with the team, um, and the things we're making, and like yeah, I really genuinely can't wait to share more about it in the future. Oh, that's yeah. that's kind of where it's at. Yeah, I'm very unreasonably excited about this game, especially because um, not to not to show too much bias or anything, but two very good personal friends of mine, um, RJ and Rachel Lake, are working on this as well, and everything I've heard that they've been involved with has been solid gold. Um, art. <laughs> I mean, Ra- Rachel's always fantastic. Her vocals are goddamn incredible, and she writes like a beast. And then RJ is just like this spiraling void of creativity that just burps out incredible stuff every time he produces something. Um, In addition to um, RJ working on an unbeatable, he's also just um, become the de facto composer for Double Scaffold lately, which has been um, wild. Strange Scaffold, by the way. Strange Scaffold. Why haven't I called it Double Scaffold? I don't know. Yeah, but Strange Scaffold, he's been writing, he's been writing stuff for them lately. And that's, that's been fascinating to witness god the 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 rate at which strange scaffold gets games out is like insane like that's like terrifying almost um i tried to do the math the other day and i think rj has done like four or five full game soundtracks in like the past year and a half or something wow yeah that's kind of (laughs) wild yeah and he's also one of the people working on unbeatable which is got good music yeah yeah rhythm games I'm really, I'm really excited for Unbeatable. Um, I think I kind of absorbed it through osmosis through other people, 
And yeah. I was like, wait a minute, this is amazing now. <laughs> like, why don't more people know about it? And it seemed like it just kind of overnight blew up. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> Fantastic. Work over. Job yeah. done. <laughs> I- I've heard the sentiment from people on the team, but it's always like sometimes like the game, like it doesn't feel real that the game did actually get attention because like most pe- most of the time when we talk about our work on the game, people don't know it even exists. Uh-huh. Right. Like, mm-hmm. st- like when we have conversations with it, like you wouldn't think the game had the attention it did in 2021. When you like go out and actually talk to people who play games, especially rhythm games, um, I feel like we aren't actually particularly super well known in that space. Um, despite the fact that a lot of people do recognize that space, like that the game in in that space, at least locally where I'm at. So yeah, like that. So we definitely we definitely feel that way sometimes. But um, I don't know. For maybe maybe that's that's fine. Like right now we haven't done a big marketing push for the game. The Kickstarter mm. was one, but like yeah. now that we just can focus on the game right now, it's for for our for our sakes, it's best to just focus on getting the quality of that game down and getting this done right before we really like go all exactly. out with like, it'll be ready when it's yeah. ready, and when it's yep. ready, y'all can go nuts. <laughs> yes, go nuts when it's ready. Please go nuts when it's ready. It's yeah. gonna be great, I promise. Yeah, I right. promise I'll be yelling all over the internet when uh, when the time comes. Don't yeah. worry. Oh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> I've been so you, you, you're, you're a really big cheerleader at the project. I haven't forgotten that. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> goddamn ready for this game to come out. <laughs> Beautiful. Me too. I want this game done. <laughs> so I get it. Yeah. Game dev's tough though. It's it's hard to sit on something for so. I mean, mm-hmm. of course. I myself work in game dev and um, just we just recently in Hearthstone or I say we I don't even work there anymore. They just recently announced in Hearthstone um, that the Dark Knight or Dark Knight Death Knight is going to be coming to Hearthstone as the 11th class. And sitting on that for months mm. has been just like my eyes have been popping out of my head just yeah. Yeah, for people to know about that. Oh, it's so painful. Like, yeah, like I, 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 so, so I don't know if anyone has been following Sonic Frontiers, uh, but yes! in the, in oh, the boy. making of music video, like, to, to, uh, Otani, the game's composer, the lead composer, um, like literally mentioned about how he was sitting on the soundtrack for this game for over four years, mm-hmm. which is like asinine to me, but like also like, like a lot of unbeatable has been stuff we've been sitting on for uh, that long too. Yeah. Like, like this, like, no, like 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 thinking on all the stuff I like like I've been privy to knowing about this game right everything like all the artwork and the narrative and like how we're kind of building everything out like I'm, it's I'm so bad at it's this. such a harrowing feeling right because it's like yeah it's gonna be so long before people see this work right um I'm terrible at that way that way that way sucks no I totally get I work it in, like like this is why I work in and want to work more in games journalism. Because I'm like, where is it? <laughs> Give me the information. Let us know. So, because I I can't hold in those secrets for very long. It yeah, but the thing that's like really difficult. the thing that's really cool though is like when you hold a secret for that long and it mm-hmm. does get for like doesn't get leaked or like people uh-huh. accidentally yeah. spill it, right? That weight ends up always being worth it. I oh yeah, like, sure. a lot of the yep. time. Like it, it really like it's actually surprising how long the wait could be for some things to get together. But when it's all out, it just feels incredible, especially when you see people's reactions to it. Um. Um, like yeah, that's that's definitely how we felt when we put out the unbeatable Kickstarter because like people hadn't seen the game in at least like a full year. Um, some people hadn't really seen the game at all because of general accessibility and the fact that it's only at like cons really. Mm. Um, so like it felt like a culmination of a lot of our work at that point, mm-hmm. and yeah, that was a really amazing feeling. I felt similarly about other games too, and I feel especially similarly about the next Skyrim Works game I've been doing, uh, Read the Sea Voice, where it's like this is a game idea I've been sitting on since like middle school um like the story the premise all of it was like all built in middle school 
and like just I've been waiting years to make this game. God. Um like and it's been so slow and so difficult because I've been so busy with everything else and I am honestly worried how it will turn out but at least just having it out there with the story and cool art direction that I've actually been able to get like done with that project is mm. going to be great and like shout outs to Emil um Sophie, Christina and Ricky on that project because they've been they've been doing so much work on that mm-hmm. um especially in my absence and it's been fantastic Audrey as well with a lot of the really cool programming stuff we're doing for that game. So very good, yeah. nice. Yeah. So of course, in addition to Unbeatable, there is um, some other stuff that you've been working on on your own. Uh, do you have any projects that you'd particularly want to highlight or talk about that you're either excited about or just proud of? Wanna yeah, I just talked about that. Shit, <laughs> so like, I totally. Uh... <laughs> yeah, read the C voice. Yeah, I was just talking about that. I think that's like the big thing we're doing internally. I I do want to mention mention and highlight like kind of like what we've been up to with Skyrim Works, which is um so aside from that we've also been publishing we're also publishing a game so uh it's funny because skyward works is legally just me like, yeah you know in terms of like <laughs> sure. legal business like it's like in like contracts and everything it's just like i'm like the ip holder i'm the, right. I'm, the I'm the person who owns the the, the, the games technically like the, the the and like when it comes to like tax businesses like tax shit like mm. my my name is the name being used not skyward works skyward works isn't, yes. isn't like a company it's a label right right um and uh, the thing, the thing with that, the the, the funny thing is that this, the the the, imp, imp, the this implicates is that in in a in a sense, like I singular am publishing, right. uh, Vivid Stasis. Uh, that game is being worked on by a different team, mm. uh, of a lot of people, a lot of really talented people. Um, and I'm really excited for that game, especially because of the really cool things that the game's director Cheryl is doing with the game story. Uh, for those who don't know, Vivid Stasis is also a rhythm game, um, and it's a free one, completely free. It's a freeware game. Mm. Um, and the whole idea of it, the whole conceit, is that uh, like there's this like it's a four key rhythm game with like these cool bumper notes uh, on top of that, and a lot of really cool level gimmicks too. They have a lot of flexibility in terms of that front, which is a lot of fun. Um, it's very focused on like good arcade action, like kind of the good arcade flair and a lot of mechanics and systems that people like in arcade random games. But it mm. also just is very focused on a, a really cool mystery. Uh, and they have a lot of really cool ideas with that that I don't really want to divulge and say much of. Mm. Um, that's we'll a really cool it. project. And we'll find actually, it. I can say, I'm pretty sure I can say this. It has its roots in Unbeatable too. Um, because. Cheryl was a fan of Unbeatable when she first saw the game uh-huh. um, and was like, I want to make a rhythm game too. And, you know, asked Andrew, the game's director, or, uh, director, like, like, yo, how, how did you make this game? I know you made it in Game Maker, right? Originally it was made in Game Maker. And then at a certain point, Andrew's just like, okay, whatever. And just gave her the entirety of the original game source code um, mm. to work with. So... Like a lot of the game, a lot of Vivastasis was originally based on that. From my understanding, ninety nine percent of it is no longer using uh, Andrew's code base. But like that project is very in debt too, <laughs> unbeatable. <laughs> so it's, there's it's even a song, long. there's even proper rhythm, a song from uh, Unbeatable on that. So it's very oh, nice. community based in that regard, though. Like here, take this code that I developed and see what you can do with it, and then also, like. I mean, Taking it wasn't gonna code be. It wasn't then... gonna be used. Like, like we, we we moved on to a different engine, and the game's like vision changed massively from that yeah. original like project. But it's project, still like so, a yeah. beautiful kind of community aspect to it, like sharing the 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 bits and pieces to try and make your own, and then ultimately, right as you said, making your own, right? Like yeah. completely 
leaving the old behind and coming up with something kind of brand new. It's very, very good. Very seems like a very proud moment. You also just reminded me in mentioning that there's a crossover that y'all also had a crossover with Rhythm Doctor and Unbeatable. And uh, that that level completely kicked my ass <laughs> in so, Rhythm Doctor. So that's so we don't actually have the Rhythm Doctor level done yet. Or yeah. well, if you're talking about the one in Rhythm Doctor. I'm talking so, about the one in Rhythm yeah, Doctor. Yeah, our yeah. side of it's not complete. Um, their, their side of the crossover was incredible. They got that together really fast. Uh, they... They like we gave them a lot of assets and stuff, and they uh-huh. just went all ham on that. RJ actually did the spread work for that. Yes, really cool. Um, and yeah, I, they're, oh God, seven feet. Those guys are fantastic. They're great yeah. people. Um, and I love the work that they've been doing with Rhythm Doctor. What an incredible project, and what an incredible team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very, very delighted to work with them. As 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 uh as we also were working with Anarch Entertainment with Noise, um, uh, which I also directly worked on too, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, and. Um, working uh, with uh, the the team making those straight roads, uh, metronomic, and those 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 people were fantastic as well. Especially especially has um, the games director. So, Jay, not to hype you up too much, but you're kind of helping us in a new wave of rhythm games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't feel like that's solely me or, no, of or our team, not, but, but like, of course it's... not. But you're helping. See, here's the thing. I feel like by the time Unbeatable's done, that wave would have passed, right? That's like kind of almost the fear that we have a bit. That like the game, we, like we started the wave, but the wave will be done before. But, before and but you know what's, but you know what's, <laughs> but you know what's funny about that yeah. is all the games that started this new wave, the wave of rhythm games, they're all in early access right now. Like yeah. Friday Night Funkin's in early access. Unbeatable is in a demo state and is on development. And Rhythm Heaven, Rhythm Doctor is currently in early access, and there are other games that are still in development. And uh, it, it's just interesting to me and and also very exciting because it shows that there's a hunger for it that Mm -hmm. all of the very popular rhythm games right now are games that are technically not fully out yet (laughs) yeah it definitely says a lot about that space and like for me i feel like rhythm games never really went away they've always been popular like just like 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 they they still make they still make all the bamani stuff you know Mm. sega sega's still making a crap ton of these they have like two different hatsune miku games running on top of like um, on top of like their arcade games um but that's in japan right but like yeah. worldwide like options like that have been really popular people really like rhythm like based games as well i i say rhythm based games i do consider them rhythm games too but they're definitely different flair like stuff yeah. like Captain the necrodancer and bpm um were were big right They're, they were yeah. very big releases like there's even a freaking crypt of the necrodancer zelda game like that's yeah. that's definitely nothing to sleaze at for sure for that team and those people are incredible um but like, like in terms of like the cla- like kind of the traditional like like lane lane based rhythm game, I uh. feel like that is sort of coming back in a big way. <laughs> I feel like a lot of that is kind of owed to games like uh, Friday Night Funkin. Um, Absolutely. But in general, it just it feels like there's just a general interest rising in that kind of like like the Japanese like kind of inspired arcade rhythm game again, which is really exciting to see because I definitely know that direction was kind of always shifted towards rhythm games, but like not exactly like those kind of rhythm games, right? Right. Um, so that's seeing, seeing that get attention again is really cool. It's always awesome, especially seeing the local scene where I live getting into arcade stuff too. Um, especially after playing stuff like mm-hmm. FNF or Osmania mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's freaking cool. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see more of the stuff come out. And it's, it's not just those games that we mentioned, we've been mentioning too. Like Melatonin looks incredible and isn't in the vein of Rhythm Heaven. There's also Bits and Bops too, which is, Mm. very much rhythm heaven inspired like to a t 
Um, and I actually, I actually was, uh, I actually gave consultation to them for Kickstarter stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah. So those, those, those guys are planning on doing a campaign soon, I'm pretty sure. Um, and yeah, their game, their game was good. I'm really excited for it. Uh, now. Then, like, yeah, like a lot of this cool stuff is coming together. It's a really good time to be into rhythm games. Hell um, yeah. We have yeah. one additional question for you. Yeah, sure. Fire away. What have you been playing this week? Oh Are boy, so a lot. Um, <laughs> so, uh, on Sunday, I beat Bayonetta 3, um, oh, which I have it. a lot of thoughts on. <laughs> uh, the the general gist of it is that it's a fan it's like the most carried i've ever seen a game get by like its combat system like it's just sublime <laughs> it's perfect it's so much fun i would replay the hell of that game and do all the end game content just because the, the combat is so good wow. but the story is so bad like just like it's oh. like I, I don't think it's bad for the reasons people are even saying online i just feel like from the moment the game introduces its main premise i was like already checked out like no thanks uh, that sounds boring ooh. and then they do it in a really boring way too um, which is the whole like multiverse thing. So they do the whole multiverse thing, and it's done in the most boring, bland way possible. Um, and like, it feels like the, the the way the game is set up is that it's supposed to be a finale for Bayonetta's story. But I particularly do not think most of what it did felt earned. Bayonetta um, spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a that's not a spoiler. They've yeah. made it pretty clear that this is like the trilogy. Kind yeah. Of, oh, I kind mean, of deal. So I'm yeah. pretty sure that's not spoilers. <laughs> like I walked into it knowing that this was kind of supposed to be the final like story yeah, for yeah. Bayonetta like at, at least as it is now I mean and like here's the thing I don't the stories weren't ever particularly great like the first game's story was really was honestly pretty decent in my opinion mm. and the second one was very forgettable but not offensive I think the third one just doesn't work because the main central conflict is just so one note and plan like the main villain is just not interesting and the things he does is not interesting so it makes the like kind of the final stakes and battle with him feel like nothing like this is this is this is the final fight kind of thing this is what the series has culminated to that's yeah. like how i felt playing for it like there's no way this is how this is how this, this is this is how they're closing this arc like that's kind of obscene to me almost but I mean, everything about it, aside from that, is pretty, all right, you know? Um, and I hate to be that person, but I do genuinely think the game looks terrible, too. Like, <laughs> like, like they, they, the, the art direction, something about it definitely feels constrained by the technical limitations. Mm. But I also feel it's just not as strong as the second and first game, too. Sure. Yeah, the, the first, first game, game had a really nice gothic game. look to it. Yeah. And the second game... The second game was so beaming with colors. Like, the colors in that game were very immaculate and very mm-hmm. memorable. But, like... The third game just looks so bland and it's set in such really boring locations. And that's really frustrating to me. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I feel I feel like that's like the one thing that kind of doesn't really click with me there. The soundtrack does utterly own, though. It's a fantastic score. Nice. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah I, really, I, I really like the soundtrack. That, that was, it's a lot of fun. And I think even if the story is bad and the writing isn't particularly great the characters specifically bayonet and uh, viola are really good um viola is a really good addition and although i did not really like playing her in some of the challenge levels because the way she activates which time is really is a really challenging like shift from how you usually do it in mm-hmm. those games um which which time's that mechanic where you like when you get like a good dodge like you like can slow down yes. time and just mm-hmm. wail on combos right um she activates switch time by parrying and the parry window is very small and there mm. are challenges in the game where the only way you can do damage to enemies in that challenge room is by parrying uh, and doing witch time. So you can only do damage in witch time, but if you don't get the perfect parry, she has 
when she, when she enters witch time, it's not enough time to even hit them. So it's mm. like really, really frustrating. It has to be perfect or else the fight takes an extra like 30 seconds to terrify, which is normally not a problem because the idea reveals that you're supposed to constantly attack until that happens. But when they enable uh, mod- uh, modifiers like that in the in the challenge rooms, when you attack, like it doesn't connect. Like it will like it will like make your like it will like stagger your character, which is really annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's more than that because I've been playing so much more. Um, <laughs> God, we could right. be here all day. Listen, I play a lot of stuff, but I haven't been playing as much stuff lately. So this is this will come as a shock to you if you go through all this and be like, "Wow, you're playing so much stuff." But actually, no, this is a measure less than last year for me. I guess. <laughs> um, I've been playing Signalis, and Signalis is really awesome. Uh, I really dislike horror games and like legit get nightmares or cry playing through a lot of them. But Signalis mm. just has something to it that makes it a lot more easier to stomach. <laughs> but also, it's just a really fucking cool game like i love the aesthetic i love the 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 score and i love everything that it's going for really in terms of its narrative and gameplay it just feels like the best like classic survival horror design like mashed up together like it's got the like the tightness uh the tightness and item management of a resident evil but it's also got the really cool ingenuity and exploration of silent hill which is the name of this game one more time signalis got it I'm yes, this game is good. It's on Game Pass. It's on every system. It's great. This is a great experience. I'm only like a few hours in, and I'm already kind of enraptured by it, and just want to keep playing. Um, yeah, like everyone's been raving a lot about this game, and I, I definitely can see why. You I, had me I, I at really Robot like Girls and Horror. Yeah, <laughs> Ro- they had they had they had me at Robot Robot Gay, gay Girls for the record. Hell robot yeah, lesbians. Robot lesbians. Robot yes, lesbians. Please, I can't fail there. Let's go. Yeah. Um. I feel like aside from like general single player games though, I've mostly, to be honest, lately I've mostly just played games at the arcade. Oh um, yeah. Uh, not a lot of people tend to talk about that stuff in my circles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so for me, look like for me, I always play like arcade rhythm games locally where I live. Um, there's plenty of options. Uh, there's like an import arcade near me that has most of the active Bomani games right now. Um, and I play all of them. I play everything. Um. For the record, the two games I like playing the most when I'm there though is a uh, it's Dance Dance Revolution and Pop and Music. Um, and I love Pop and Music. It's like probably my like this is it's growing to become my favorite rhythm game of all time. I just love the music, the characters, the vibes, and the gameplay is just so simple but so like deliciously good. And like I always play that game, and even if I'm like not scoring well, like it's always a fun time. That's one like, it's just it's, like straight up. It's, it's a bunch of buttons fun. that you push, right? It's nine buttons. Yeah, yep. it's a nine button game. Um. Not, it's like it's important to emphasize the difference between buttons and keys because of like how like they feel sure because right? like it's it's kind of it's sister series uh beat mania uh, t- uh beat mania, especially the 2ds lineage has like these like small keys but pop and music is big ass buttons mm. right um and the, vi- the the feeling is very different but pop and music is nice because i don't accidentally jam my finger while playing Ow. because of the turntable and uh mm. 2dx um but yeah, I also play DDR. The latest versions, I know when people think DDR, they think of like the more classic. Uh, DDR Max! Nova, yeah. and Max and Extreme, right? No, I'm playing Ace, baby. That's what it's called. <laughs> DDR Ace. DDR Ace 20 plus. Um, A3 is supposed to be here, but it's not because, uh, well, Konami's taken a million years to release it in America sure. for, for some reason. Um, but the latest version available to most people here is A20 plus. Um, and it's got like hundreds and hundreds of songs, Damn. easily thousands of like love, like charts, like levels overall. Um, and it is definitely the most comprehensive release of DDR available yet. 
Um, A three is doing some really cool things and just kind of breaking the barrier in terms of like like the challenge and like the dif- like the difficulty of the charts. Like they're just pumping out hard charts and just don't give a fuck and are kind of breaking the rules of like what people normally expect out of official DDR levels. Interesting. Um, is it like more like almost like mod charts in ways or yeah? Well, not mod charts, but they're definitely taking a lot more tech tech stuff from like ITG. So like stuff sure. like stuff like stuff like foot switches are actually emphasized a lot more in charts. Like there's a recent chart for Tahosan and A3 that's like hmm. it's basically like that that's the kind of stuff you'd see people make for like ITG sure. right um right. which is real and it's a really really fucking good chart so all that stuff is really cool I can't play that chart because I'm nowhere near good enough <laughs> um, my stamina is really crap but like like I, I so the game's like level scaling right now is like level 1 to 20 and I'm currently working through 15s so okay. uh, I've been playing seriously time. for about half a year uh, since o- over half a year since uh, since eight, March is when I started getting all- into all these games. Kind of just like I got burned out of Elden Ring and wanted to do other things, sure. uh, and then I got into every rhythm game ever, basically. <laughs> so yeah, just that. And then also like with pop and music scale of, like one to fifty for the levels. I've been playing 40, 40, 44s, which is really cool. Um, so the the that that game is crazy at that level. It's like. The, the, the wall between level 15 and 16 in DDR is like a big one, especially. And then like for pop and music, each level within the 40 sphere feels like a galaxy leap, um, which is insane. Uh, I've also been getting into Sound Voltex, which is another Bamani game. And then I have been trying to beat Mania 2DX uh, a bit more now that I've been playing kind of everything around it. And I'm really digging it and I can't wait to play the new version now that it is installed like in our local round one. Um... There's Pump It Up, which is not a Bamani game. That is, uh, everyone kind of refers to it as a DDR clone. It's like infamously referred to as DDR level Asian. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, Pump It Up is a Korean game uh, that is really dope. Um, it's the five panel game, and you've probably seen that one before. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of features and levels and content, like Pump It Up is unrivaled and like really freaking like. It's like in a lot of ways. I love the the chart design and like the the tech in that game a lot. Then there's Dance Rush, which is like you actually dance in that one, like it's shuffle dancing. Um, really fun one as well. Is that the uh, one that just has yeah. like an open pad and it's just, it's just like... an open pad? Yeah. yeah, that's cool. I like. And then that there's G- I'm basically listing every Bimani game. <laughs> like like there's Gitadora and Gitadora is like Guitar Freaks and Drummania. If those ring a bell, um, that's the latest incarnation of both of those games. Uh, Guitar Freaks and Drummania oh, I see. are very old, are very, very old games uh, where you use a plastic, well, it's not plastic really, but it's partially plastic, like, like a, um, you, you use a, a controller that resembles a guitar and you use a controller that resembles drums to play. Now, that sounds pretty familiar and there's a really interesting story behind that one if you want to know how Guitar Hero got created. <laughs> they, I, um, yeah, Gitadora for most people, like most people might not realize it because they look at the, at the arcades and it's like, is that like a Guitar Hero clone? Guitar Hero is a Guitar Freaks clone. Ooh. That's that's the order of how it goes. So, now, I have, a, I have a follow-up question. Yeah. You've played all of this this week? In fact, yesterday, um, yesterday I went to the arcade. Papa Beach was down, so I played. I played at least like eight or nine credits of DDR. I played three credits of TDX. I played like four credits of Gatadora. One credit of Nostalgia. Uh, I played two credits of, of Chunovim before I left as well. Um, mm-hmm. which is the se- one of the Sega games. And the Sega games are great too. You know, Chunivim, Ongeki, and Mai Mai, which we only really have Chunivim here, but not this really. Is, this yeah. is the difference here. Don't, yeah. don't become a 29-year-old, like, 
journalist slash nonprofit administrator who wants to go to the gym because you won't have time for video games anymore. Well, just think of it as like going to the gym. Sometimes I go look at my Apple Watch and it's like, congrats, you've you've ran six miles today. I'm like, what no, the I heck didn't. was I doing? I danced all night. That's what I did. No, I, I literally <laughs> just stepped down arrows all night. But like when I look at the number of steps it tracks, it's like roughly accurate to like Sunday play. Interesting. Yeah, and like sure. in the combo counts too. So it is counting that. And it's like, yeah, like I actually if I, made like... 18k steps because i was each each credit is like at least on average but depending on the songs i play like a thousand if i even right? thought that my area had a nice arcade that like that i would definitely go try to get back into ddr but i know for a fact that my town full of old politicians does not have anything like that yeah and i understand accessibility for that is really difficult i'm lucky where i'm at where it's like like there's people here who have been dedicated to seeing who have literally worked on games um, like pump, like pump it up versions and everything. Who have all these machines and everything? Um, like the the scene for it is really healthy here because of that. But it's like still kind of like it's still kind of like on thin ice with a yeah. lot of like because these things just don't make money a lot of the time. Um, in general, like the, sure. the the business the business for rhythm games especially is kind of rough. Um, and yeah, I like the most. That's the most I feel like I can say. I don't know what isn't isn't like like hearsay or like i don't sure. want to like, spread yeah, misinformation yeah, yeah, of course. but yeah but like the general vibe of it has always been like you should enjoy these games while you still can absolutely um, yeah especially especially if you are into like the japanese arcade rhythm games you should play these while you still have the ability to um because i they're they're definitely trying in terms of bringing them over here especially from around one side but it's mm. a really impressive effort given how little money they actually make uh, relative to like all the metal games and like cranes and like ticket redemption stuff mm-hmm. like they make like no money um well and that's the case worldwide it's not just like a thing in america like all oh, americans just don't like that stuff right they 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 just don't like they apart from like a few of the games they don't tend to do very well usually well so we yeah. must take a break when we come back we're gonna go into these news stories we've got three news stories one involving the Embracer Group, which we've talked about before. Oh, yeah. Uh, one involving Harvestella, a very nice story. Yeah, I was going to say, we actually do have some nice stories today. <laughs> um, and another story from Sega. So, uh, and of course, our new segment, This Week in Gaming History. So when we come back, we'll go over all of that. Stick around, because it's coming up right after these messages. Okay, bye. Deep within a festering swamp, a crumbling edifice stands defiant against the ravages of time, holding secrets not meant for the minds of mortal men. Can anything hope to stand against the evil that stirs from centuries of dark dreams? Join Tovin. I cannot tell you how many corpses I've stitched together. That's how I got my chops up for this job. They don't bring you the princess to start with. You have to work your way up. Yosef. Tovin, I think we're being followed by a golem and a troll. Billiam. Now she's calling me fat, guys. You know what? I'm out of here. Soulless. <laughs> Father Apsu, the waybringer, the exiled worm, the maker of all. Accept these, your children, from this veil of tears and bring them safely to your fold. And Kashak. Can we dig a hole of something? It stinks in here. As they delve ever deeper into Gauntlet, slaying monsters and cracking wise while having a great time doing it. Every Monday, we release a new episode of World War Intent a playthrough of the Abomination Vault's adventure path for Pathfinder 2nd Edition. 
get it wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out at RollForIntent.com and join our growing Discord community at Discord.RollForIntent.com. We can't wait to bring you on this journey with us. to the show so here's some news um the embrace group like i said Mm -hmm. um we're gonna start with them and then we're gonna go nicely into the evening (laughs) um so without further ado a few months ago we spoke about the embrace group who just made some major gains in video game acquisitions um in studios specifically and now owns well over 100 studios maybe even more than that um, except it also decided recently that it wanted to shut down one of those studios, particularly the studio Onoma. Um, Onoma, um, the studio, were informed on Tuesday of this week uh, of the studio's shutdown. So they learned on a, a, a call, a meeting. Uh, the closure is expected to affect roughly 200 employees. Onoma also used to be a Square Enix Montreal studio. They were specifically the Square Enix Montreal. Yes. So like it yep. was. This is the mobile team that worked on like the Go games, like Hitman Go, mm-hmm. Lara Croft Go. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. I know. During uh, Teddy Thief's tenure there, they were working on a game as well that they were directing, and I don't think that game panned out either. So that studio definitely has been struggling for the past two years in terms of output. Um, and I know they were working like some other licensed game. I forgot exactly what IP it was, but. Um, yeah, like that's definitely really unfortunate, especially because that's not a small studio in the slightest. Like I see, I see lots of people there and like yeah. lots of job postings. It's a really big, it's a really big shift. Um, but I also, I also kind of see exactly why that decision was made. Even if I, I feel like if they were going to acquire it, I feel like they, uh, because of the decision around that, um, a part of me thinks that the acquisition of the studio was not something like Embrace that particularly cared about. Like Square right. Enix could have just capped that really. Yeah. yeah. But because Square Enix put it on the sale with everything else, they had to buy it with that. So, but the operating costs for it weren't worth it to Embrace a group. Um, I think that sucks because of the studio involved and the talent that's there for sure. Um, the only but, part that yeah. really gets me about this whole thing is the fact that they changed their name like two weeks before they closed. Right. Yeah. It, it also just seems unfortunate that you had to accept them, you know, kind of into this large umbrella of other studios you likely do not care about, only to then tell them, like, the morning probably of Tuesday, hey, guess what, like, vacate your office. Like, it seems almost, it, and, and I'm sure it is because it's all kind of money-based, it seems really heartless <laughs> to not give them the resources to maybe recoup whatever you may think you have lost in that acquisition. The joys oh, of capitalism. Yeah, yeah. It's like because the, the the worst the worst thing about it too is, a part of me wonders exactly whatever or not staff knew. I feel like maybe a good chunk didn't, but like, I don't feel like some of these, given the way like the politics of this stuff goes, some of this like they can't they. I feel like higher ups there, probably saw the writing on the wall potentially too, like, like you can't you can't just like have an acquisition like that and like 
basically be fully lied to that there's going to be more stuff done with you. Like, it, mm. it's very... When, when Embracer acquired them, there was probably a likelihood that they were made aware that, like, Embracer is not feeling strongly about what they're doing yeah. um, and is not interested in actually keeping them operating. Um, the thing that bums me out, too, is that, like, even though they are a mobile-focused studio, I feel like their, their talent is good enough that they could have definitely transitioned into console Absolutely. games and PC yes. games, mm. too. Um, or at least have acted as a support studio for that stuff. So I'm really not too sure what their line of thinking is, especially when they clearly have the money to throw around for all these fucking acquisitions. Yes. But you know that's just how it is, I guess. And I I've, I definitely feel terrible for a lot of the staff there. A lot of the really good staff there, like Montreal. That that's a really good studio. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a it's a shame to kind of, especially, again after purchasing them, just a few months ago to kind of just say okay well you know we've done our min maxing of money here and we no longer feel that we need you so goodbye on tuesday like (laughs) it's almost it's almost like um you know cutting off a a very necessary part of your body Mm -hmm. um and just being like eh I'll get another one or something like that. You know, I don't know. It's, 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 I struggle to really enjoy news like this as I'm sure. And, and anyone does enjoy. Yeah. Especially um, because their past output is good. Like, yeah. it's not like this. It's not like a studio where like, like people didn't have confidence in it. And like they this. didn't have any choice in the matter. They didn't have any say they weren't like told, Hey, if you know, if we can't do X, then you might have to do Y. Like it was just see you later. Goodbye. And I, hmm. it, it really upsets me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's frustrating. Well, <laughs> No more to say about that, I guess. The Embracer Group, again, has something like 100, over 100 studios. A lot of the video games that you enjoy now come out of that big umbrella. So look out for uh, whatever they're producing. Uh, Paul, please take the next one. Sure thing. Harvestella, the half-farming sim, half-adventure game, is nearly about to release. Ahead of its release, Daisuke Taka said that if you were able to ac- that you will be able to access non-binary options for your Harvestella character. In an interview with Eurogamer, Taka said that Harvestella is a game for everyone and stated that using gender-neutral pronouns takes a relatively small amount of effort, and yet the positive impact is huge. That I can agree with, uh-huh. for sure. It is not a lot of work to, like, you have gender neutral pronouns in a game script or have characters referred to as such because mm. I mean it's just a pronoun in terms of having the tech of like like if you already have a game where like you're, you have a creative character and you have the characters already changing lines or whatever I can understand that impact for like actual direct voice acting but like in terms of a game with just like regular text like if you already have the game changing pronouns based on like what gender a player is elected or what pronouns are selected that would be good um I'm not perfectly to be honest so i guess i, I want i should explain in context exactly what harvestella's co- customization looks like because i looked into this before we mm. did the podcast um and kind of laid down my personal thoughts on it as as a non-binary person sure. um so harvestella's character customization is actually pretty limited um it is this it, it is it presents you as three three gender options which is male female non-binary then it has eight appearances that you can kind of take as a base right um, four are supposed to be masculine, four is supposed to be feminine. Um, and then afterwards, you can select hair color, eye color, and then hairstyle. Um, the hairstyle is based off of which base, whatever the base is, masculine and feminine. Um, 
in terms of like how I feel about it, I still kind of have an issue with like games presenting pronouns options as a gender thing. Um, mm. Like, I feel like just say pronouns, please. Like, I think that makes it like it, it makes things feel a lot more fluid and like expressive in that mm. sense. Um, because when you when apply gender, you apply a lot more things overall. I think, um, and that doesn't saying gender is not like a, a equivocal replacement for the, the the phrase like pronouns or like you know yeah. So that's that's how I feel about that. It is a really good effort though, and like they they clearly put the work into that in the game. Um, in terms of the limited character customization, right? Um, there might be people who are understandably upset about not being able to have like feminine hair options with the masculine ones, but mm-hmm. I do think the character customization is too limited to a point where I don't think that's going to really bother people. Like there isn't much you can really play around with that anyhow. Um, mm-hmm. But it it's a really nice gesture and a really cool one coming from Square Enix, I think, especially because a lot of their a lot of their games, as particularly from uh, from the Draconier kind of side of things, tend to do handle these kind of things really well overall um and harvestella is not connected to that whatsoever but like it's really cool that they're doing that um with that game um and you know it especially makes sense that they're doing it with a game where you're making your own character and mm-hmm. like is like a like the, the, the dem- general demographic for that game also i think made a lot more sense for them to do something like that but i think more games should do it and i definitely think uh uh, uh taka takasan pretty much nails it yeah like it's it's not a huge amount of effort but the impact is really big for the people who play it and yeah. that's how i feel a lot about about representation and fiends i don't think people need to make a massive commitment or really go out out with it or have to like handle it like this boutique like very careful kind of like delicate fiend you just have it there and it will do it will already do a lot of the work and it'll like carry a lot for players overall um yeah. so yeah this is this is great this is fantastic um it's like not perfect, but I, I don't want to be in the picker about, it, especially when the game appears to have issues overall with the the flexibility of character customization. I know people who are really excited for this game. Um, it's not my kind of game, but like I do feel a lot more interested in trying that game and all the things I've heard about the demo. <laughs> it was, it was part of the Farm Games Fest that um, yeah. Nintendo put on uh, last month or a couple months ago. I don't, I don't really like those games that much. Like, like I, I, I love them. I get the appeal, and like I definitely and I have put in a lot of hours into stuff like Stardew Valley and yeah. shit. But like, I just I'm really into these types of games yeah. myself. But I'm curious about how it connects with a more kind of RPG element as well. Um, like Stardew Valley did it pretty well, where you get like some combat mixed in with your farming, but this seems to be kind of a half and half. Um, and so I'm very interested in how that works. Um, yeah, I, I hear it's a really cool combo too. Like the action RPG yeah. stuff holds up really well, and so does the farming. The farming was the part that I was like looking at and not feeling too strongly on, but the action RPG stuff looked really cool. Um, that, um, that said, I, yeah. To and to your point. I'm looking at the four uh, pictures that they gave us for the uh, here's how you'll be able to customize your character thing. And the one thing I am always nitpicky about for every video game that has a character creator is having more than one shade of brown in it. Oh, um, yeah, that's definitely a thing I spent those two. It yeah. really only has one. <laughs> and it makes me a little frightened for... The hairstyle options, because I know that's not going to be very diverse. Um, it's and- not. The hairstyle <laughs> options, honestly, I looked at that and I'm like, wait, that's a different hairstyle option that looks like the same. Yeah. Like, oh, no. I'm 
fully it, expecting it's, it's it to be very yeah. it's a very budgety character creator like it feels like maybe that might have not even been the intention right maybe they were going for just one design but because it's a farming game people want to be able to have flexibility in how their character looks um so i'm not too sure about that it, it screams very budgety to me that they didn't put more into the character customization mm-hmm. um but here's the thing when you think about it that way if they were able to add a pronoun option like the way they did right despite how budgety and kind of not very flexible or diverse the character creator is then it says a lot about how easy it is to put something like that in a game sure yeah. absolutely and i think more people should do it fingers so. crossed yeah paul any last thoughts nope i think y'all pretty much covered all of it excellent then let's get to our last story that you started to read yeah. uh <laughs> Uh, CEO of Sega, Haruki Satomi, says that Sega is aiming for a large-scale global title or (laughs) a super game, uh, a super game project to be launched by March 2026. Satomi says that this uh, this goal can only be managed if Sega can draw a large enough community between streamers, viewers, and players. The kind of community that, according to Satomi, quote, expands and further develops game content this is just classic sega right they're just like pulling some weird obscure bullshit that nobody really understands and when it comes out it's probably going to be a flop but in the year in the like two years running up to it people are probably going to call the future of gaming or something um very excited to see what this might be. <laughs> do you, so, do you, so do you kind of understand what exactly a super game looks like? Is kind of like because like they they've been very vague on this, but yes, for me this article is really interesting because of the way it's phrased. Because when they originally mentioned about the super game project and how it was going to be connected to shit like the blockchain, which is a uh, no thank yeah, you, yikes, but no. um. They, they mentioned the idea that it's not necessarily one game, right? Yeah. It's a bunch mm-hmm. of game, different games that reflect the values of what they consider a super game. So supposedly this is going to be one of those games. From my perspective, all these super games kind of read like live service MMO games yes. yeah. um, based on how they seem to be designed. Um, running a lot of those at once. Uh, good luck, I guess. Uh, that seems particularly interesting. I'm not too sure what in the hell this is in the slightest apart from that though and that's and why that's why i call this classic sega because sega has had a long and storied history of just presenting something that sounds special on its face and then in reality is just something that people have already been doing in the gaming space for years um it's- yeah the, the sega channel stuff in the 90s is like you know like that's really funny because it's like wow check out this revolutionary right. service where you can download games and everything and it's like nintendo had been doing that shit on the famicom yeah, yeah. the og famicom like that's not particularly new. Although, here's the thing about Sega, and this is a thing I'll definitely give them credit for in this regard. Usually when they do stuff like this, it is very, it is very, like, kind of forward-thinking in a yeah. lot of their design. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the flip side of this. Too forward-thinking. Like, sure, like, uh-huh. Nintendo did it before, but Sega actually did something that is very much in the vein of, like, modern Xbox Live. Like, yeah. almost to a T. Like, it is functionality-wise very similar, which is very impressive overall. Like, that's um, the thing with Sega, is they're almost too eager to get to their good ideas in a right. way. Um, I wonder if waiting till 2026 is part of them slowing it down, because, like, okay, they... With the Sega Saturn, the biggest problem with the Sega Saturn is was that they announced it and, like, dropped it in, like, a month. And... They developers weren't able to make fucking games for it because none of them knew it existed. 
sure. they, they dropped the Sega Saturn and everybody was like, oh, God, we have to develop for this now. And that's why most of the games on the Sega Saturn are first party or ports. Um, just because they just people were scrambling to make games for it. The Dreamcast was a very technologically advanced console. Um and it was marketed terribly, and it had very cool stuff going for it. Um, very advanced online um, capabilities that um, ended up being underutilized in the States because we still just had dial-up. Um, for the most part, some people were starting to get more advanced internet. But it's just interesting to me how Sega... Sega tries to do a lot of what Nintendo does in terms of boldness, but they kind of do it in a more haphazard way yeah. and this they, feels they, they, they shape for the stars in a way that uh-huh. a lot of other game companies don't which is really admirable and interesting especially when they're pursuing projects like this way after the whole hardware like mm-hmm. uh-huh. um so yeah it's definitely i'm definitely curious to see where this goes ultimately um i hope this isn't fucking terrible <laughs> I hope yeah. it's not actually blockchain because that's yeah. definitely when I heard Super Game in a way it's described, it screams very metaversy um, yeah. in terms of like how they want to do it, which I am not interested in. It sounds like they're putting a lot of money towards an experience. I don't think a lot of people particularly. In, in some of the really early want. interviews, um, when Sega was talking about this, they talked about the Super Games taking the natural progression of technology, which in their instance they they listed examples that were contemporary at the time. It was like. Which was, yeah, it was, it was, it was blockchain, it was blockchain it was and cloud entities. gaming. It was yeah, blockchain yeah. and cloud gaming were the two ones that they listed. They didn't necessarily, these things would have them, but they said that, like, they were following the, the trend of where technology was headed, and that was something that they were investigating. So we'll see if it actually involves NFTs or not, where where or what it'll involve with cloud gaming. Yeah, um, my I, from, from my money, it streams live service, live yeah. service MMO game, uh, and uh-huh. multiple of those games, in fact. Uh, I don't know exactly how it's all going to play out, but yeah, it's really interesting seeing that. Um... It's going to pan out to a series of five mobile gacha games. Oh, my God. I mean, Sega already makes enough of those. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see what uh, Sega has up their sleeve. I'm skeptical, but interested. Four-ish years. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're just announcing early for investors, so there's no no telling of what exactly this means for players or, like, even the people really working on it, to be honest. But (laughs) Even the developers probably like, uh, we're making something. (laughs) I think they're just told to make a AAA game and just whatever cool extra features that technology innovations that might be on, like, the passport to do is also a part of that project. Yeah. Here it is. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So those are our stories for this week. And now we're going to segue into our new segment, This Week in Gaming History. So we're going to take a look at some pretty substantial releases, events, and just kind of shoot the shit about them. Um, So let's see. October 30th, 1987, because technically this week started on October 30th. Um, The PC Engine, or as it is known in the West, the TurboGrafx-16, was released first in Japan. Um, on October 30th, 1987. It would later be released in the United States in 1989 and the broader EU audience in 1990. TurboGrafx-16 is a fantastic piece of hardware because Mm -hmm. I know absolutely fucking nothing about it. (laughs) I know it exists and I know it's influential. That's about as far as I got. It made a really good, like, first step toward everything. Mm. Yeah, it was... was pretty big i think the interesting thing is like the way it was marketing themselves in america that's like the thing that always strikes me because like pc engine was kind of a thing like kind of like a boutique kind of thing Mm. in uh in japan like it was well known and it had games and like developers working towards it but it was a very boutique system um 
yeah, really, really interesting stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. hey, I mean, the well, pretty good Castlevania was made for it. So yeah, it's yeah, that. and it's the best version of it. So October thirty first, nineteen seventy. For all the voice actor fans out there, Nolan North was born. And on. in 2006, we hit peak Nolan North saturation. <laughs> I don't remember the exact year, but it's somewhere around there. Halloween, 46 years later. Yeah. Halloween day is Nolan North's birthday. Happy birthday, Nolan North. Um, November 1st, 1996, Wave Race 64 is released for the, the Nintendo 64. Um, and Super Mario Galaxy released in Japan on the Wii in 2007. Both very pivotal video games. Yeah, especially I, on the Nintendo side of things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wavery 64, mostly known for its um, groundbreaking water tech back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very true. Um, November 2nd, this one, uh, Chi actually added. Yeah. Uh, Beat so, Mania. Yeah. Uh, IIDX. Ooh, I don't know how to say this. A 2DX. IIDX third style marks the first console release of the Seminole Rhythm game series. IIDX continues today as a mainstay in arcades across japan with the 13th oh the third 30th release of iidx 2DX. good lord beat mania iidx 2DX. Resident. <laughs> oh, i get it i'm always wrong on these things having released this october in both east asia and in the united states so yeah this is really cool um so 2dx is funny because so my record there is a regular beat mania and that's dead um, it's no lo- it's no longer active. Um, a lot of people said Beat Mania is like one of the first like rhythm games um, in terms of like that kind of classic Japanese rhythm game style. It was the first, right? When you think of like notes coming down and you hit them to the right timing, that was started by the original Beat Mania. Two DX was like kind of supposed to be a big sequel. It had like a really cool, fancy cabinet that was like very immersive by design. Mm. Uh, that they actually still use that design for over like a decade and a half. Mm. Um, and uh, the it had seven keys instead of five because it was like five buttons versus seven and on top of the turntable that's used. Um, 2DX never really came out in America um, until they started bringing it over to round ones and now they're like actually officially released here which is really cool. Um, yes, there are 30 releases of this. They would sometimes re- uh, release like five versions of this a year, three or four. Wow. Yeah. Um, if you... If, it, it makes sense in the context of an arcade scene. And sure. actually what they do for the console games, and this is really interesting, I don't think they did it anymore for play, the PlayStation 2 versions, which is when, uh, which 2DX was a PS2 release, but mm-hmm. when they were doing the PlayStation 1 uh, original game releases, they did Appendix did this, right? So it would be like DLC this that you would buy separately, and then after you put in the your base game, you would put you would enter a menu, then put in the disc, and it would turn into the updated version. Hmm, um, they did this to get around a limitation where they couldn't release as many games as like allowed because Sony had a limitation on how many games a publisher could release and manufacture a year. Wow. Um, and they did this a lot for all of their rhythm games as they were releasing uh, on consoles. Uh, I don't. Yeah, it's 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 a really interesting setup, and I think they actually still did it with two DX on on uh, on PS two for a little bit as well. Uh, yeah, it's a this is a I I know a lot of people don't really know about it. I think outside of the rhythm game series, but two DX is a very very famous iconic rhythm game series, and it's like considered the grandfather of like all of these games. I like every you play you play a rhythm game, you it probably owes a, 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 some amount of its legacy to two DX. I am um, the person who pronounces the x in hunter x hunter ah. so knowing that that was 2dx is like i would never have i i would have been calling it that since birth and no one 
<laughs> would stop me until today. <laughs> um, had I known about it earlier, I still would have probably said IIDX. So, so uh, no, understandable. Yeah. Chi, you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned that they have games like this in round one. I just learned that they're going to be opening a round one in San Antonio at some wow. point. So they that's... have. They have been so. I, I hate to break the news to you because yep. I know someone who lives in San Antonio and has been looking into that for a while. Um, they have said that's come been coming soon for years. So I actually don't know uh, what the progress on it is. It's still being worked on, but yeah, that yeah. one's gonna take a while. But if it does open, whenever it opens, it will have that new version of 2DX, and it will be pretty dope. Complete with like the really fancy new cabinets that they have of all the really cool lights and like a touch screen instead of like actual like analog knobs. It's a really cool experience and. If you have the opportunity to try modern 2DX, you really should. It's a really mm. good game. On November 3rd, 2003, all you Fire Emblem fans woke hey. up all at once. Uh, Fire Emblem, the first one ever to release outside of Japan, is released worldwide now 19 years ago. That was my 10th years. birthday. Oh, yeah. Today's Paul's birthday, by the way. Yeah, I hi. We're recording. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Paul. Thank you. Happy, happy birthday. Um, you're older than Fire Emblem. It's true. <laughs> Fire, it's funny that we keep referring to it as Fire Emblem because I was like, wait, that's not the series is older than that. But like, I remember that yes. I forget which what it was called in Japan, but that's like technically the fifth or seventh Fire Emblem. Yep, yep. Yeah. First I forgot to which which entry Japan. in the series it is, but it is it is it is a it is definitely not OG Fire Emblem. That is correct. Yeah. That game owes the Smash Smash Melee for its release, actually. Oh, of course that, it does. Yeah, of course it does. Literally, the reason they made it was like, wow, people really like those characters in Melee. Like, that was uh, Fire maybe Emblem we the Blazing there. Blade on the Game Boy Advance. Yes, the Blazing mm-hmm. Blade. I remember that now. Um, cool. Society, uh, society, society <laughs> changed forever. Yeah. When, I mean, when they started bringing these games to West Side, especially towards the 3DS era. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. so. Absolutely. Awakening was really interesting. I don't know if you all noticed, but Awakening was like kind of like a last draw for the series to, to mm. like period. If it did not do well internationally, it would have just been done. That would have been the final Fire, Fire Emblem game. And now it's a Giga franchise. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. oops. Oops, indeed. Just had to put a bunch of hot boys and hot girls in it. Yeah. Solve the puzzle. Yeah. Also have marriage and baby options. Yeah. Now everyone Yikes. will buy it. Yes. <laughs> let's go. Um, November 4th, 2002, a year before Fire Emblem, the first Ratchet and Clank game is released on the PlayStation 2. Also the first game localized for Western audiences. <laughs> <laughs> if only. That would be really funny, actually. <laughs> um, funnily enough, um, November 3rd, 2004 is My the release date birthday. for... Ratchet and Clank Up Your Arsenal, the third game in the Ratchet and Clank series. Wow, I was like one when, when Ratchet and Clank released on <laughs> PS2. In case I, and just just to age y'all here. I am definitely <laughs> not the type of person that feels old, but boy, oh boy, because I can remember when those. What's that? Released. There's a clump of gray hairs crawling down my arm. I have gray hairs and I'm 21. I don't know what to tell you. Turning 22 in two weeks, so there we go. Hey, but, um, yeah. Ratchet and Clank. Um, yeah. Also, um, another one that she added, the Connect launched um, November 4th, 2010 in North America. The launch titles <laughs> for the Connect were Connect Joyride, Connect Sports, Connectimals, uh, Motion uh, Sports, The Biggest Loser Challenge, uh, Sonic <laughs> Freeriders, Dance Evolution, and Adrenaline Misfits. I used my Connect for, oh man, the really cool, no, Dance Evolution. That's what it was. I used it for Dance Evolution all so the time. You, I love so, that game. are you sure it's Dance Evolution? Because it actually released here in North America as Dance Masters. 
Um, surprise, Dance Evolution is a Bambanian game. That's a Konami rhythm game. Um, what you're thinking of is Dance Central, which actually had a release on Connect later and not at launch. Yes. Um, Dance Central is definitely the better game, though. Um, that was that was sick, whatever you just did just now. <laughs> gotcha. No. <laughs> Surprise! We're still talking about arcade rhythm games. In fact, that game even literally got an arcade version. And if you, like, play the cabinet for Dance Evolution, it's you can, like, see, like, the Kinect logo on it. It's, like, like powered by Kinect, and you see the Kinect, like, built into the cabinet. It's hilarious. Um, You're right. Um, as an added bonus, the last Connect game came out on December seventh, twenty twenty one, and is Space Warlord Organ Trading Simulator. Incredible! What? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. One of the game's more noteworthy features. Reading off Wikipedia, one of the game's more noteworthy features is compatibility with the Connect, a feature that was added just for the hell of it. Um, <laughs> and Space Warlord Organ Trading Simulator um, lead designer um, Xavier. Uh, wait, fuck! How do you pronounce his name? I always forget. Um. All, it's all Solver or something like that. Yeah, um, has has announced a bounty of fifty dollars for the first pers- person to complete the campaign mode entirely with Connect alone. I've always seen his name written down. I've never actually heard it pronounced out loud. <laughs> I, I've, I've, everyone refers to him as Nelson in Nelson? my circles. Yeah, just Nelson. That's his last name. Yeah. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. For... Connect is man. What a what a what a what a piece of technology we got that in our family house because like we wanted to play the sports games. My parents wanted to play tennis, and it was fine. It was functional enough, I guess. Sure. The best part, though, well, well, my my sisters also wanted to get in central, but the. The, 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 the best part about it was when I wanted to play a game on it, and that game was Sonic Freeriders, and uh-huh. it was very bad. It was. Um, the, the, the worst part about... See, here's the thing about uh, the Kinect, is that because most of the games do not let you control with a controller for the menus, mm-hmm. they suck ass to navigate the menus most yep. of the time. Some of them got better as time goes on, but it never really got better. And the best part about this is, like, bringing up Dance Evolution again, the arcade version of the game just had traditional four, like, the traditional four buttons, like DDR and, like, all their other, like, rhythm games do, to, like, select the menu. And, like, you can just do that instead of navigating the menu with your hand. Right. Mm. And everyone at cons that I see play that game just do that instead oh yeah which says a lot about the general functionality of like how those games are the thing is that the connect is a really impressive piece of technology yes like it's really good at what it does and is like like i think even now there isn't really anything like it like it's like the way it's done is really like ingenious um but in terms of it just doesn't scale really well with games especially with the like the latency um And also the fact that I feel like while they were designing in mind of be- being for games, I don't really see like like how much it really adds to games. Like uh, for dance games, it works pretty well, I'd say. Like Dance Evolution and Dance Central were were functional, right? Yeah. But they had to be lenient with like accuracy and. How it they, was like, certainly for like yeah. one or two genres at most, and they yeah. were like, okay, let's try to add something else. And then everyone was like, never mind, let's not do that anymore. <laughs> and then they made Sonic Free Riders. Yeah, right. Um, Sonic Free Riders should have honestly been a lot better than it actually is, is the thing. Like, it, uh, it, the premise of it works in mind of a Kinect controller, but to be honest, I'd rather play Tony Hawk Ride, and that's kind of saying something. God! <laughs> like, Remember? that came out around the same time, too, I'm pretty sure. Tony Hawk Ride and, like, the freaking, like, the terrible looking snowboard ass like skateboard controller but like even though that uh, uh, even though that wasn't really really particularly good like it felt more tactile and analog like when it comes to like riding like a board yeah. than it does with the connect and the thing that i heard is that actually apparently the, the the sequel to ride was 
a lot better, and the controller wasn't any different. So it wasn't an issue with the controller itself, but just the fact that the game was just poor, like like the it's software the itself was just mm. the implementation of the like the controller in the game itself was just interesting. Shit. Yeah, the the sequel is apparently actually pretty. Just epic. don't try to do a kickflip. <laughs> Oh, don't try to do an IRL. You yeah. would definitely, you would definitely injure yourself in the process. Yeah. November fifth, we've got two. Uh, Twisted Metal was released in nineteen ninety five for the PlayStation. Fucking love Twisted Metal. And ooh, many years later, um, Call of Duty: Modern Warfare, the first one, releases on major platforms in two thousand seven. Definitely, as uh, Chi noted, changing the modern gaming landscape as we know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Twisted, so I have never played Twisted Metal. Yeah. And I, I hate to tell you this, my only exposure to Twisted Metal as an IP is playing oh PlayStation God. All-Stars. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Twisted Metal Black. I'm not sure which is worst. <laughs> Honestly, if that's your exposure to it, I'm okay with it. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I remember, it was a real, So, so they, they, in that game, I recall that, like, because they have, like, rival characters when you do the arcade stern mode in that game. Yeah. And uh, he's paired with Kratos, I think. <laughs> that's is, fun. That's Which is really fun. That's angry, actually ang- fun. angry dudes with white paint on their face. Yeah, yeah. I um, my first exposure was on a demo disc, and I wanted a mainline twisted metal game for years, and we never got one. But I have this. Look at really... the movie that maybe's being made. Uh, <laughs> um, I played a lot of twisted metal three. That was my game. I do have one distinct memory around kindergarten or first grade of actually going to. A, stone, a Sony studio in New York. Um, really? And touring the studio and see, getting in, into this room where they were, like, playtesting a Twisted Metal game. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, I was sitting in some really dark room with, like, a, a, my teacher going over how people make video games and stuff like that. And I wow. was like, this is great. That's, that's actually, sick. That's actually cool. sick. Yeah, in kindergarten? That's a that I would have killed to be honest. Yeah, same. Like, Holy shit. That would have changed the trajectory of my life. I oh, that would have that would have changed there. everything for I don't me. Yeah. Know what it was for. I don't even remember like giving my mom like one of those permission slips. I just remember I was suddenly woken up, gone to school on a bus and suddenly like <laughs> in an elevator and the Sony the like big Sony letters in front of my face and I was like, "Hello? <laughs> Where are we?" <laughs> I'm sure it was like some kind of like, here's what you can do when you grow up thing. Um, and I was not inspired to be a developer, but instead report on video games. <sighs> anyway, so <laughs> we're going to uh, move along toward the end of our show. As we do, we always ask the guest to give our uh, listeners a recommendation. What game should they be playing or be on the lookout for? Hmm. Trying to think here. There's so many. I have to go with just one? <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately. Damn. God. Um, oh, shoot. I will give you two. Okay. <laughs> I will. Uh, my, my first recommendation is not necessarily a game, but just... Yo, if you if you look up, go to Xenius slash I... Uh, not uh, Xenius dash I dash venture dot com um, and go to the arcades tab... And if you have any local arcades near you, hit them up. Can you spell um, it? Got a Xenius, so Z-E-N-I-U-S dash I dash Vanisher, with the word Vanisher. That's, it's named after a song from uh, okay. 2DX. Um, it is 
uh, that's definitely uh, it's not like fully accurate because it relies on people on that community to actually update arcades there but like mm. you, you may be surprised by what options are available to you in terms of what games are around like but yeah i love the arcade scene has been a huge part of my life this year and i owe a lot to it in terms of like my mental health and just like like just feeling like i have a space that can belong here i'm always i always go every, every week and i always feel really glad to just like just be there just like oh i'm gonna go play some games but every time i'm there i always run into a familiar face it's like obviously that's going to depend on where you live and like on like it, it's it's an accessibility issue for sure uh but i got very if such excited. a if such an opportunity presents itself do not hesitate you should play these games i want, play the bamadis uh, play the performize play all the wacky weird stuff like guitar hero and you know, like the piano keys arcade game, like that's fine too. You know, like try all of those games. They're they're a really cool experience, and they're not like playing stuff at home. I went I, to I, the I, website, yeah. and I was very excited to see that there might be an arcade in my area. But it's like it's just a Dave and Buster's. I'm like, never mind. Dave and Buster's <laughs> may have DDR. At least they tend to be back at. So yeah. they will guaranteed always have Pump It Up, and Pump It Up for is sure. great. So definitely go for that. But DDR maybe. Because, like, they, uh, had, they got some. Arcade so that, UFO is on this list, and they're actually technically closed right now because they're moving locations. Oh, yeah. Arcade UFO I've heard about, too. That one's pretty solid. Um, I f- They might even be on the same private servers that Arcade is really. Like, I'm seeing that they I'm seeing that they have 2DX and, yeah. uh, and Pump It Up. Which Arcade is UFO is a very big Japanese game arcade independent run here in austin they're like kind of one of the last bastions of that style them mm-hmm. and um uh what's the other one uh texas gamer lounge is the other one that's kind of like yes that. texas gamer lounge i know about yeah those are the two big ones yep for for me locally where i'm at which is the dmv area uh uh the cave is like kind of the area it's also a really good scene for fighting games mm. um and then uh there's also two round ones within a vicinity, which both have solid rhythm games. Um, those are in Towson and in Woodbridge. So definitely recommend those if you go around. But yeah, just if, if such an opportunity presents itself, you're at a con, you see these games, they're all really worth playing. And mm-hmm. if, especially if you go to a convention, the people who set those games up there and own those cabs, like they take good care of that stuff. Like this is, this is a big hobby for people. Yeah. Um, its own kind of breed separate from like games as a whole and like 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 and in a weird kind of like it's a very separate sphere of games and like the community is passionate and great it's a great time if you have the chance to do it you should definitely try these games out mm-hmm. so my general recommendation if you can't do any of that and just like you want to play a game at home or this and that right you know totally fair i get you um oof so much stuff this year like like i honestly didn't get around to playing so many things because i've just been so freaking busy mm-hmm. honestly um and like yeah that's like it's like kind of that's like kind of tough to navigate but i'd say if you want to play a game at home um the game that i personally like i'm feeling really strongly on signalis so maybe this will be different but if you had to ask me what my game of the year so far is it's citizen sleeper ah. um, and that's an incredible, uh, like narrative-focused uh, RPG uh, that's available on Game Pass. It's on Game Pass. It's on all those, all, all the, the big ass systems. Um, the gameplay mechanics are really solid, and the storytelling is just immaculate. It's a really great game. Um, really beautiful art. Really evocative music. Like it was the kind of game where I finished it, and I was like, pretty good. 
I liked it. And then I thought about the game a bit more. I was like thinking on the story, kind of ruminating it across that week. And then like day seven, it like kind of hit on me about the game, like what, like what it means to me. And I was just like sobbing, like uncontrollably. Oh. It's a really, really special game. So very cool. Yeah, go ahead and give it a shot. Paul, what do you got? Uh, new Apex, new Apex Legends season just dropped. Go play Apex Legends. New, oh, new. I, yeah. I, I played, cool. I played it right before the, the last season ended. Interesting. Cool. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. new, uh, new Legends, super cool. Um, cool, cool trans girl. Lots of dark pharaoh fluid stuff. She can do funny things with crypto. <laughs> I, I haven't played it very much this season, but I'm very excited to play more. They got a new map as well. Uh, yeah, I don't really have much this time. <laughs> So I'm going to recommend In Silence. Um, it is an asymmetrical horror game where you and your friends play as escapes or kill the monster dudes and dudettes. Or uh, you one of your friends can play as the monster. I think it's two to six players. So I recommend uh, like four or five. I think that's where we... The, the secret number we unlocked when we were playing um, on Halloween night, no less. Um, it's very scary, very dark. The monster operates only on sound, so the game is very sound-based, um, hmm. based on the sounds that you and the other um, survivors make. Um, you can play with an AI. It's scarier with an AI, personally. Um, but it's a lot of fun, too, if you get a good group of friends. Um, I think it's like... I, it was on sale a couple days ago. I think it's like $10 normally, but if you can grab it on a sale, even better, obviously. Five or six bucks. And uh, so, she uh, was she was comparing it to a crime site. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, crime site. Yeah. Different. <laughs> but it's different, but the whole idea of like a game with like like kind of CPUs and like yes. tricking. Yeah, the, I, I social deduction games. That's what they're called. I love social deduction games and Oh, site. I love making a good social deduction game. Crime site was pretty good. Um but yeah. Um check out In Silence or Crime Site. Um both good games. Co- in Silence probably has people playing it. Wink, wink. So play that one, baby. Crime Sites is dead. D-E-A-D. All right. And finally, to finish off this episode, please let us know where we can find you on the internet and if you have anything else to plug. Yeah. Uh, So if you want to follow me and my work, so I have a Twitter at comet underscore melting. Um, You can also check out my website, meltingcomet.com. Melting comment that it's melting haha yeah uh check out of my games you can check out uh unbeatable unbeatablegame.com and sky hour works has a patreon too skyhour.works that's the website link for that you can check out all that shit there um and play basically most of my games on steam they're all on steam baby uh yeah as always, Paul. you can find me over at Paul's Rock and Twit on Twitter, or Paul's Work and Twit on Twitter if you want to see me talk about Hearthstone and occasionally work-related stuff, um, activism in the games developer space. Uh, you can find me on twitch.tv forward slash bondy77, where I stream once every two months, and sometimes with my girlfriend. And finally, this weekend, starting November 5th, that is going to be tomorrow after the publication of this podcast, Extra Life 2022 is going to be having its game day, and I will be taking part. I will be running a 25-hour marathon through my... Uh, voice acting group um voiceover nexus or voxes for short you can find us over on twitch.tv forward slash voiceover nexus and if you look us up on youtube there will be a video 
announcing the details of the event. And, and more importantly, there will be a link to the schedule down there in the bottom. I will be opening the event at 4 p.m. myself, and then I will be um, doing some various stuff throughout the event as well, including with um, regular friends of the show, Sam Neeland and Marcy Neighbors, who will be running a block out of our house. Um, Sam is actually in my house right now, in fact. Tell Sam I say hi. I will. Same. <laughs> I will. All right, that's pretty much it for me. Uh, come check us out. It's going to be very fun. We're raising money for yeah. the Dell Children's Hospital here in Austin, Texas. Do you know the next time they're doing game day? Because I've had a street, like a charity stream idea that I really want to do that seems perfect. For game day that. is first of the first weekend of November every year. Okay, perfect. Oh, so this weekend. Yes, that's, yep. Ooh. Two days. It's happening. Uh-huh. Yeah, good luck. Thank you. All right. As always, you can find me at Comic Jace Gaming on Twitter, and you can find the Weekly Cooldown as well on Twitter at WKCooldown. Be sure to visit the Weekly Cooldown Facebook page. Visit WKCooldown.com for more news and other episodes. Be sure to leave a review or comment on Apple Podcasts. I believe you can only do one or the other. Um, don't ask me. I don't go on there a lot. But you go on there a lot, and you review other podcasts. So review this one while you're there. Thanks. Goodbye. Be sure to check out the links in the description, including, of course, our Humble Bundle for this week. And remember that you can support your favorite charities and support this show. Our logo and art is done by Corgian. Follow Corgian at DoghouseCorgian, D-O-G-H-O-U-S-C-C-O-R-G-I-A-N on Twitter. Our intro music is done by Riki. Find Riki on Twitter at dog underscore noise, D-O-G underscore N-O-I-S-E. That's all for the weekly cooldown. I'm Tommy Jace. I'm Paul Birthday Person Henderson. Happy birthday. Yay. And she is who? That's me. Yeah, she, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.